This is Baritone Mike Cavallari, and you're listening to the CVH Podcast. That is my boy, Mike Cavallari, right there. One of my oldest friends, and he has saved me for myself more than once. <clears throat> Seems like the USA is maybe done with its uh, hooker and blow phase. Right? I feel like we've made it. We've made it through. We're still all right. <laughs> We're going to need a little detox. We're going to need an adult an adult in the room for a little while. But uh, overall, I think that we're like through our hookers and blow phase. You know, for a while there, we were on the highway, and it was like a white Ferrari, and it's like screaming down the highway, and we're inside, and the music's loud, and we're just like, I'm going to live forever. You know, that never ends good. <laughs> But sometimes you got to go through it, right? So we're going to do a little detox now. I'm proud of us. You know, we like to go extreme. America likes to do everything extreme. We don't like to lose six pounds. We like to lose 106. You know, like th- this, is our, this is our move. We're, we're really great at doing something really intense for a very short amount of time. We don't like long-term stuff. We don't enjoy long-term lifestyle. We enjoy, like, extreme lifestyle for this long. And uh, we've moved past. You know, we're, we're going to throw out the, um, the Doritos and beer, and we're going to go, you know, have a couple salads, do some yoga. Just calm down a little bit. Everybody calm down a little bit. Seems like that's done. I'm, I'm, I'm not a, I don't want to talk political here, but it sure seems like uh, hopefully we've turned some kind of page here. I wonder, I wonder if that, um, you know, this party of morals, you know, this party of morals in quotation marks, I wonder if they're ever again, let the party be headed by a thrice married game show host. I wonder if they feel like this was a mistake. We're not going (laughs) to, you know, it's like, um, it's like when gangsters ran Vegas, like (laughs) the, the wheels were just off, off the car. It was like a bunch of rednecks running Elvis Presley. Like, it's the last time we're ever going to let you guys be in charge of anything this important again. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're all right. We're still here, right? A friend of mine told me New York was still celebrating. That's nice to hear. I just like that idea of, like, white Ferrari just screaming down the highway, just, you know, reckless abandon. That's America. But, uh, you know, we figured out. We like, to, we like to quit cold turkey. That's kind of our thing, right? Nobody just, like, slows down their drinking. They just stop. That's the kind of thing. You can hear my drink here. It's a fresca, so don't get too excited. It's 11 a.m. for crying out loud. I see the stock market up by 4%, though. Life's getting exciting. This is the most excitement I get anymore, is watching the stock market and how freaking volatile it's been. Up and down and up and down. Well, today it's up 4%. Because Pfizer, known for their dick pills, uh, claims they've got a very fancy vaccine. Everybody own Pfizer? I do. Pfizer's saving the day today. Stock market's up 4%. The Dow Jones is up 4%. I know that's fascinating, but thank God. When you're out of work, all you got is your investments. <laughs> Oh my goodness. 
I saw this video the other day and it popped up in my YouTube suggestions, which I'm always weary of. I always, you know, after watching the social dilemma and reading, um, what was the other one? Addicted or something. I'm weary of what YouTube's telling me to watch because I think it just wants me to sit there and watch ads, you know, like we're going to put a video on this suggestion side here. That's just going to make him go and listen for an hour and, uh, and watch for never, never get up from it. You know, it has nothing to do with what I'm currently looking at, but I did click on this video because it seemed very interesting and it was, it was a Hakka, this New Zealand, like it's like a choreographed chant movement dance screaming it's like a call to arms you have to look this up haka h-a-k-a maybe everybody knows about it and i'm just getting to the game late but i watched a uh, a haka done by i don't know it looked like a thousand students and they were honoring a teacher who had died and i was weeping like i couldn't believe they go through this whole choreographed dance and screaming it's very primal and very ugly and very chaotic there's a lot of chaos involved but then suddenly there's order because everybody is slapping or clapping or yelling all at the same moment and when they were done with it and it was really moving just horrific at some points and just and just um, so much intensity and they're doing this as a as a funeral parade goes by you know a hearse gigantic hearse goes by and and they do their haka and then they in absolute silence, like part ways so that the hearse can drive through. And I, I mean, the tears are just flowing down my head. <sighs> Who knows? I mean, you know, like our brains are all over the place right now. Who knows why things get triggered in your, in your mind at the uh, Hakka funeral weeping, weeping. If anybody wants to uh, have a look, it's really something. It's just like a, this call to arms. It seems like people do it before sporting events too. It just seems like this battle cry. Uh, it's terrifying because people who can do this kind of thing, like this sort of like energetic choreographed primal call to arms. I mean, why would you ever, <laughs> ever go up against them in anything? I've never seen this kind of intensity before. It's really moving. Sometimes I'm thinking that, you know, that kind of thing is setting me off because I'm in my own head. And I was wondering, like, does anybody else just have this constant monologue inside their head? Like this never-ending, you know, this guy, he's like in my head. He sounds exactly like me. He's such a dick. <laughs> and we have been having it out for years. <laughs> he's always there. He's been there since I was 10. And, um, you know, he's backed by a very crude playlist <laughs> he's sort of um he's sort of uninspired when it comes to that and and um there's this playlist and this guy this douche who sounds exactly like me constantly in my head and there's really nothing he can't seem to c comment on i mean he's got an opinion of everything maybe it's better that i keep it inside but um he calls me out on all my bullshit and um there's you know Sometimes I hate him. Sometimes I love him. He's he's saved me from myself. Uh, he's also made me um, miss opportunities. 
you know, it's that um, good angel, you know, angel devil on your shoulder, each one. And that guy's just rattling around in my head telling me what to do constantly. It's like everything. Not just like big life choices either, like the small things. I wonder, I wonder what that has to do with what we do for a living. And, you know, early on where you're constantly surrounded by somebody telling you how awful you are. <laughs> but uh, it's like I continued. Like I, I, kept, I kept all those people with me so that I could constantly remind myself how, <laughs> how much further I have to go. Uh, and, I, and it could be as simple as like, boy, you really cut the corners on that uh, edging today. Your lawn looks like shit. <laughs> it's, uh, but it's also the big stuff too. Anyway, this guy's been with me since like 10 years old. And there's, there's at no point where I'm sort of not narrating what's happening in my life. Does anybody else like this? I, am I the crazy one? I could be going crazy. There's a lot of things when you turn 40 where all of a sudden you're like, I never had anxiety before. Where's this coming from? You know, or, I never worried about that kind of thing before. I never worried about that. You know, all of a sudden you have all these worries. I was chatting with my brother-in-law and he says, he says, um, I don't sleep well because I'm, I'm not, I have, I have worries, you know, like I can't remember ever sleeping well. And, and I think it just has to do with not being content or not being satisfied or not being comfortable or not being um, completely at ease with what you are or what you have or what you need to be or what you think you need to be or what anybody else thinks you need to be. And, and so there's just this, um, this guy inside who's constantly commenting. I'm wondering when he's going to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Uh, sometimes his playlist is better than others, but often it's just weak. Thank God for the people in my life who provide me playlists. Oh, I'm in my, I'm in my last week of Invisalign. And what that means is, yes, I'm an old man doing Invisalign because I want straight teeth and I've had nothing better to do. But, um, I think I'm like a year and a half into it. This, this went on so much longer than it was advertised to me. I was told six months, five, six months, wow, or a year and a half. And they don't tell you at the beginning, but you should realize, I mean, you should know this anyway, is that when you are done with all your little plastic trays that go in your mouth, you're going to wear one for the rest of your life. Uh, you have a retainer, and you're going to wear it at least to bed for the rest of your life, if you want to keep them where they are, because they will just go back exactly the, <laughs> the way they were before. Your teeth really want to go crooked. They really want to go crooked unless you're actively trying to keep them straight. Uh, they'll, they'll want to go back. So I'm quite a sight. I'm quite a sight at night when the contacts come out and the retainers go in. Like It takes a... <laughs> That's when that guy in my head starts talking to me in the mirror. He's like, oh, look at you. <laughs> yeah. I had braces when I was a kid, um, like, you know, 12 or 13 years old. And that went on for years, like had that for years. And then, and then your teeth are beautiful and straight and they take them off and they give you a little retainer. And then what does a 13 year old boy do? He grows nine more inches in, uh, three years. And, and, um, my whole head changed, my whole face changed. You, you grow up and you mature and, testosterone hits and things start um, 
like your jaw changes and your eyebrow, your, your brow changes and your hairline changes and all these things were changing. And I just watched my teeth just go back to crooked after two years of braces. And then it just stayed that way <laughs> for 25 years. And then I decided to do something. So there I am. Invisalign. I would recommend it to anybody. It really works. It's like surprising that these little tiny incremental changes, uh, it works. It works, and you don't have a mouthful of metal, but you are wearing this plastic. And I followed the rules and this, you know, wore it all day for a while. And then uh, once all the major moves were done, it was just these minor moves. Then I just took it upon myself to only wear them at night, and didn't seem to disrupt it at all. That guy in my head was like, "You know better than the dentist. <laughs> what does he know? He couldn't possibly know more than me. I know what I'm supposed to do." Uh, so then I fessed up to him that I was doing that, and he said, "He said if it's if you're not having if they're not uncomfortable when you put them in, your the timeline in which you wear them doesn't doesn't really matter to them. They say all day just to make sure, but uh, he says if it's not tight when you put it back in, don't matter." This sounds so fucking boring. Anyway, I'm just happy that it's almost done and I can stop worrying about what day of the week it is and did I put them in last night and all that crap. I was going to get eye surgery this summer too, but COVID kind of canceled that. Anyway, nice to hear about a vaccine this morning. Nice to watch Pfizer explode the stock market. Nice to watch, well, lots of reasons for that. Even the stock market knows we're done with our hookers and blow. And they're like, yeah, it's time to settle down a little bit. And we saw a little uptick. And that's good. Enough with the extremes. I can't stand the extreme in the stock market. I'm, it's all. It's fun to hit a home run, but my God, they can't all be home runs. Sometimes you got to like walk. Sometimes you got to hit a soft single. <laughs> it can't. It's just too much like the, everything was turned up to 11 for four years. And now it's time to. Get it back down to like seven and a half, just for a little while. And we'll get tired of that. And then the pendulum will swing back the other way. That's how we do it. Pendulum always swings back. Thinking about all these extreme things. Thinking about how America really likes to be extreme when it comes to stuff. And and I I found that there are other people from different parts of the world that are also like this. And, and in my humblest of opinions, I have noticed on occasion that the Russian people are very similar to us and uh, can get hot quick and can cool down quick and can kind of go the extremes. And I was um, in a show in Chicago and I was a young artist. And I, again, will never say the tenor's name, but he was Russian. And um, not like wildly well-known, but pretty well-known. And we were singing, I want to sing, I want to say it was Otello. It doesn't matter. It was a, a dress rehearsal, and he had a, a problem with his pants that I happened to witness. And it was behind the set, it was behind the stage, behind the curtain, in this, you know, this area we call, uh, back at Lyric, that goes from the stage to the dressing rooms. And it's just kind of a small hallway and a couple of doors you got to get through and he was talking to his dresser. Now, a dresser, are, the dressers in the business are just wonderful people. They're here to help you. They're here to help you. And in many opera houses, they're almost like a personal assistant. You know, they carry your water. They're making sure 
they're they're like the last person to make sure that you're fine stepping out on stage. And and really, we should just be fine and not need these people. But they're very, very wonderful and helpful to have around. And I've had some great ones, and some that I've had the same guys for decades. And um, and if you're good to them, they're good to you, and that's all there is to it. Everybody, right? Like everybody in your life, if you're good to them, they'll probably be good to you too. And he seemed to catch his pants on a piece of set and put a little hole in it and was on like his upper thigh in the front. It really wasn't that big a deal. It looked like a dime. And he was, I just sort of was walking by as he was complaining to the dresser that he had this hole in his pants and that he would really like it to be attended to. Now, the dresser who, you know, in one of these first dress rehearsals is sort of running around trying to figure out the timing of things, where costume pieces need to be, where the artist needs to be, do I have all this, do I have all that? There's a lot of sort of things in those uh, early uh, dress rehearsals that they're trying to figure out too. And so the dresser, who was listening to him very intently, uh, acknowledged that he saw that there's a problem with his pants and that, you know, certainly we'll take a note and we'll sew that right back up and don't worry about a thing. And I, and I don't know if I was moving. There were several people back there, but we could sort of just tell what was going on. We weren't gawking, but it was hard not to understand that this was sort of happening. And he was upset. <laughs> and the dresser, God bless him, was trying to just lower the temperature. You know, like, oh, please, you don't. That's such a small hole. And I do see it. And we're going to go ahead and sew that right up. And it's, it's just a small problem, he told him. So this tenor didn't like that answer. He didn't like that it was a small problem and that they'll take care of it later. And he put one finger in the hole and then he took his other hand and he put another finger in the hole. And he pulled. And he ripped that hole from a dime to a watermelon. I mean, most of his leg and his shorts were completely exposed. And he says, Now is a big problem. Can you imagine? I mean, we were just young singers and we just saw this go down. And, um, it, it, you know, plenty of... I'm <laughs> still thinking about it. Like something about being a young artist, you, you learned what to do and what not to do. We couldn't imagine in our lives purposefully ripping a costume in front of a dresser, this friend, you know, this person who's a friend to you, to do this in front of them and cause a scene. And sure enough, it was a big problem now. <laughs> they, had to take, they had to take his pants. I don't think they held the curtain, but he had to wear some mismatched pants for the rest of, <laughs> the, rest of the show while some poor uh, seamstress desperately tried to fix this gaping hole he just put in his pants. Couldn't believe it. I mean, we told that story for years. We couldn't believe that this would even be on somebody's radar to do and how embarrassed... Oh, when he thinks about that moment now, he must be so embarrassed. If he even thinks about it. Maybe somebody who does that doesn't even consider that it's a big deal. But putting <laughs> putting one finger in each side of this thing and saying, now is a big problem. <laughs> you wanted everybody's attention and now you got it. He was a great singer too. I mean, this was not, it wasn't, plenty of times you'll find an artist um, struggling in a show struggling in a performance or a rehearsal 
and they'll quickly start to blame things around them as to why it's not going that well. This is a very, very, very common practice. And, and, and sort of people kind of know, uh, not to take it too personal, when the blame comes your way or in the direction. I've seen very famous sopranos blaming missed cues on room lighting being, uh, you know, like rehearsal room lighting not quite uh, being up to snuff. And that made them miss musical cues in their head. Um, you know, with a prompter and a maestro right there to give them everything they need, and they still booted it. And, you know, in, in that stressful moment, couldn't, couldn't possibly admit that they weren't as prepared as they should be, but rather the fluorescent lighting was throwing them off. <laughs> so we just sort of know that the stress of a, of a given situation can elicit very strange reactions. You know, plenty of people have... Um, uh, shown anger to people they really shouldn't have. And I'm, and I'm sure dressers get this more than they should because they're the person right next to you. Uh, and shit goes downhill. And so when the maestro barks at you from the pit in front of a lot of people, uh, your, your frustration and, and reaction kind of goes, gets focused in a direction that doesn't or shouldn't. And so we kind of know that that happens. Um, you know, you can tell when somebody's having a hard time, but this tenor was not having a hard time. He was having a great show, and he was nice. He was a friendly fellow, like everybody liked him, and it, this was way out of left field. And I don't know if he booted a note, or his phrase didn't go well, or who knows. There's 400 reasons why, you know, something's not quite perfect in a in a given rehearsal or performance. And and uh, sure enough, he need, he needed to he needed some attention. <laughs> And he got it. Yeah. But for anybody listening, I certainly didn't learn that it's okay to rip your pants that day. I learned that it's really not cool to rip your pants. <laughs> like I said, when you're when you're a young artist, it's easy to. And we knew it at the time. You know, there were plenty of plenty of things that didn't go well. We were surrounded by the the greatest artists in the world, and there were plenty of times that we saw it not go great. And um, we learned from that moment too. And we learned that when it didn't go well. And nobody has a perfect night every night. Everybody's had a bad night or a bad day or a bad rehearsal or a bad note or a bad aria. And so what I did learn was that this is definitely going to happen to everyone. And it's either going to go, it's either going to get better or get worse depending on how you are to the people around you. And so in the same course of a show, we might watch two singers both have similar struggles and one won't look as bad because they happen to be a nice person and the difficult people you're secretly in your head going, huh, karma's funny thing. And there's that guy in my head again, telling everybody, <laughs> telling everybody their business in my head, telling me my business. That same asshole just berating me since I'm 10 years old. He was doing it this morning. He was doing it at the gym this morning. You know, I don't miss the gym. Uh, and when I'm in there, it's very easy. <laughs> it's very easy to, for me to see myself and just hate. <laughs> I can't believe it's the second week in November. This time just keeps getting stranger and stranger and stranger. But you know, new new president this weekend, and then and then uh, Pfizer's announcement on a vaccine that's very very promising. And you think, all right, we've We've turned a corner. We've hit the, we've hit the turn. But 
Um, I don't know. It just feels like we're super far off from people packing out theaters again. That's going to be last. I can't imagine what would be after that. Just, you know, sporting arena, indoor sporting arenas. I think they'll get people outdoors in the football games a lot sooner than they will, you know, indoors at Madison Square Garden or something where we see it differently when it's open air and closed air. Our, our theaters are, they're big spaces, but the people are right next to each other. This is just going to be the last thing. Hope everybody's hanging on. We got a little ways to go. We might have a year to go. I hope it's not a year, but it could be. And, uh, you know, everybody settle in. Don't buy Pfizer now. It's not going to help you now. <laughs> You're too late to that game. Everybody's just doing what they have to do to to survive another week here. But, uh, this is the Monday show. You all listened and I love you for it. Monday, November 9th. You can follow me on Instagram. I mean, you probably do already. Right? Don't you? It's endlessly fascinating. Lots of nudity, if that's helpful. Tons of nudity. You can find me at Instagram, at VanHornCBH. And uh, I pay a dollar cash for every person that follows me. Just uh, send a self-addressed stamped envelope to uh, um, my home here in Virginia. And I will send you a crisp new dollar. That's a promise. My website, christianvanhorn.com. You can go there. That's fun. You can see all the things I've deleted off my schedule. I am very free. <laughs> if anybody has a birthday or bar mitzvah they need, <laughs> somebody to sing at, I, I at least know some people, if not want to show up myself. I have a worthless fan page on Facebook that you can look at and pretend that I give a shit about it. I do not. And uh, this has been the Monday show. Happy post-election, everyone. The hookers and blow phase is um, coming to an end. Sad as that is, it was past time. And uh, see you later in the week. Have a great one, everybody. Bye-bye.